0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: This is the sixth man show on Orlando magic podcast with your hosts, Luke, Sylvia, and Jonathan Osborne covering all things, magic basketball Bye, fans, fans go magic
2: welcome in magic fans my name is luke sylvia I, i'm not always joined by kevin tucker producer kevin but producer kevin is here it is august 7th kevin we finally got the taste of
1: basketball that we so badly needed here as of late yeah luke first off Greetings, glad to be with you. Our friend, uh, old Jonathan, enjoying a little getaway this weekend, so uh, we're getting to take over the show, and no Jonathan means no rules, so we can do whatever we want. Just kidding. Uh, Yeah, glad to be here. And uh, basketball, yeah, we had some. It was pretty cool. Got to see Germany on Saturday play against Sweden. We'll talk about that. Um, And even more basketball to come this week. You know, tonight, as you guys are listening to this, the United States basketball team gets to play, so that'll be Mm -hmm. cool got a lot to talk about with that too some an interesting weekend with usa basketball but uh before we talk basketball luke i did want to bring bring up a couple things you know Mm -hmm. you are um a newly developed soccer person kinda right you know so so for those that don't know luke has gotten into the world of fifa the video game which is kind Mm -hmm. of funny because this is your first fifa and it's the last fifa Mm -hmm. because they're changing all the branding and everything because they lost the FIFA rights. Now they're EAFC 24 starting in September. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if you followed like any of the stuff that happened today, specifically with the Women's World Cup, you know, like the United Mm -hmm. States going out on penalties, ironically, to Sweden. You know, we're going to talk about a little bit their basketball team. But I don't know if you you got to check any of that out. Today was an absolutely heartbreaking way to end your World Cup campaign. But I don't know if you get to check any of that out.
2: Yeah, I did actually. Uh I mainly because they're aside from FIBA, there's really nothing else going on. So <laughs> as true. much as I honestly tried to just avoid soccer news in general, because yes, although I have gotten into FIFA recently, I don't care too much about the the soccer world at all. I have claimed the team in the Premier League that I will be maybe rooting for come the season in Newcastle. We'll see if that actually happens. FIFA's lost me momentarily. Maybe I'll be back for EA FC twenty four. I don't know. All that said, I do try to not read soccer news, but it was everywhere today. <laughs> That's true. And it just happened that the missed penalty kick. Everyone likes to to clown on uh, R- Rapino. Is that yep. how you say your last name? Yep. So yeah, they they like to clown on her. So that was all over my Twitter today. Unfortunately for her and Team USA.
1: Yeah. Rapina is a bit of a polarizing character some people absolutely love her some people absolutely hate her and so mm-hmm. the people that hate her were very loud today um, to yeah. be fair you know I'm not, this obviously isn't a soccer show but politics aside or you know whatever your opinion of her aside is she was really bad this World Cup which is sad mm-hmm. because she on the soccer side of things is an absolute legend of the sport not just for the United States but for the world but yeah, this was like one too many World Cups for Megan Rapinoe, and, uh, and she's yeah, done now. Correct. She's done. Oh yeah, yeah, she's very. She done. wasn't. She is. If now. she, yeah, she was very bad, <laughs> um, including a missed penalty, which is you know y- you want your veterans to go up there and and take care of business, and she absolutely fluffed it. So anyway, heartbreaking loss. I mean, literally, I don't know if you saw the the goal line decision. Like
3: literally, by mm-hmm. less
2: than
1: an inch, they they lost today. But well, you know
2: the the people, Kevin. They they can they can come for the team USA talk on the front end here, mm-hmm. women's soccer, but we're gonna talk basketball That's and because right. it's finally back. Yes. Germany versus Sweden. The game that seemed out of certainty here and in the balance for Germany, and a game that you didn't really suspect to go that way. That Germany, you watch them play and you forget the players that they have right obviously you've got schroeder you've got the, the uh, wagner brothers you've got uh, daniel tice as well and then a lot of really interesting international pieces that play for germany as well that as you know you and i talked about jonathan we got to know the roster during eurobasket last year so it's interesting to see how it's going to go this go around we're going to continue to learn this germany team of course because we're going to watch these games but Franz Wagner. Finishing with the second most points on the team in this one. 15 points behind Schroeder, seventeen. Five of 13 from the field. 5 rebounds, 4 assists. 4 steals for Franz Wagner. An incredible game from him in that regard defensively. He distributes the ball super well early on. And I think that's what impressed me the most, Kevin. And I'll toss it to you in a second so you can talk about whatever you got from this game. But Franz Wagner distributed well early he had like two assists in the first five minutes of the game or something like that as along with like four points like two or three buckets in the first few minutes as well got hot at the beginning and just super encouraging to see franz locked in we knew he would be the wagner brothers and most everybody loves to represent their country and play and he didn't disappoint on that end five of 13 from the field man i don't care i will take that over last year where he really got buried a lot of the time, especially in the friendlies. And we got to see him take a more ownership ball handling role as well. He was
1: awesome. Yeah, it was an interesting game. Um by all measures, the the start the Germany starters just completely outplayed the Sweden starters. Um and and the game really kind of swung with with the second unit, which Mo Wagner spent most of his time with the second unit in this game. So I'd like to take off my bias, you know, uh, Mo Wagner was really kind of one of the bright spots of the second unit. It wasn't great, but he was very aggressive, obviously as we come to expect from Mo Wagner. But yeah, that first quarter Germany got out to, I think it was a 10 0 lead to start. Um, and then they kind of let off the gas in the second part of that first quarter and let Sweden back into it. But like you said, second quarter, third quarter, tight game, including Sweden having a lead several times during that stretch. And then the fourth quarter, once The starters came back in, they reasserted their dominance, and I think they outscored them like 27 to 7 in the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I would just say, yeah, Mo Wagner, very aggressive, had some great drives to the rim, got fouled a lot. Franz Wagner, um, I, I felt like, and again, we're a year removed from the last tournament that we saw, you know, one of the frustrating points for magic fans last year was you know down the stretch of games it became the dennis schroeder so and no magic fans wanted to see that we wanted to see franz get the ball in his hands and put the game you know up to him uh and you know it wasn't necessarily a close game down the stretch in the fourth quarter but in the first chunk of the fourth quarter where it still was franz did get the ball in several different possessions and uh did really well with it was you know good facilitator got to the rim a couple times and so um, it'll be very interesting once we get into the actual World Cup and we expect a lot more competitive games and games that are really close down the stretch to see if maybe, you know, the keys to the team have been handed off to Franz by now. Um, but there were definitely stretches for sure on on Saturday that looked like that. So we'll definitely yeah. see once the games get closer.
2: Yeah. And just the, the biggest thing for me, I'm a huge assist to turnover guy. Franz having just one turnover was awesome. I mentioned his steals. He had a clutch one that really felt like it put the game away with like four or five minutes left. I I think it might have put them up seven or nine at that point. I can't remember. But it was at that point where you're like, okay, the tide is officially turned and Franz Wagner just put this game away. Something Magic fans got used to last season, seeing Franz put that game away. Fourth quarter Franz as he has become to be known. So just Really good to see that, regardless of his shooting splits or whatever. And Mo Wagner, you talk about him getting at the free throw line, eight of ten. Yeah. He was two of six from the field, but he still finishes with twelve points and nine rebounds. Just Mo Wagner doing Mo Wagner things. If
1: things aren't falling his way, he's gonna
2: find a way to impact.
1: Yeah, and I think another takeaway, you know, forget the magic. Just from a basketball standpoint, Germany basketball standpoint, I think. And it's early. It's only one game. And it's not like I sit here and watch Germany all year long, you know, or, or these specific players all year long for Germany that aren't in the NBA. But I think um, Germany might be in a little bit of trouble in the tournament, a little more than I, I was expecting based on their depth. Like, I know mm. we talked about there's some names on there that we recognize, but that second unit, like I said, definitely struggled. And Sweden would be considered one of the weaker teams, you know, in, in the FIBA landscape, or I guess I should say the World Cup landscape. Um, and so that'll be interesting. You know, there are some other teams in the world that are going to have a little more depth than, than Germany. Obviously, I think the United States probably has the most depth of anyone. Um, and yeah, I'm biased, but, um, but yeah, so that was definitely interesting takeaway. I went into this really thinking that Germany is probably one of the favorites and I think they probably still are, but had just a few uncertainties about that, that second unit after, after Saturday's game.
2: Yeah. Well, we're going to have more FIBA talk later. But first, Kevin, I want to transition into the patron and Patreon shout out. Kevin, you've got that list. You always do the honors when we're on here all one time that you and I have done this before back in January. <laughs> We've you done it do twice it now, to be
1: fair, yes. to be fair. Mm. We've done it twice, you know. But yes, I, I do enjoy the privilege of reading off our patrons. You know, obviously this show not made possible without our amazing patrons you know sure we could make a show possible but it wouldn't be great you know it wouldn't be as high quality and the bigger thing is we wouldn't be able to have as many cool events uh we wouldn't be able to do as many cool giveaways which by the way we're getting ready to do a gigantic giveaway coming up in the next what is it four weeks or so maybe we're doing a really really big youtube giveaway so that's coming up uh like and subscribe Yes, that's right. You can go ahead and like and subscribe now and you'll be entered to win. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, those are the kinds of things uh, that that our Patreon uh, people make possible. And so definitely want to shout them out. Uh, we have great patrons, lots of different tiers and benefits. But on each ep- episode, we do uh, shout out our Hall of Fame and Elite tier patrons. And we're going to get started with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo. Jonathan Borges, Normal, player, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Franz's Warmth, Pierre A, Nostalgia and Eminems, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum Drum, Drummy Drum Drum, Danimal, Duddo 15, Bobby Skinner, PV in the Mix, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, shout out, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Eben Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destined for greatness, Caleb Pete, Andy, at Cannibalism, Mister Ty TV, ESPN really sucks. Gear ninety five shred, Junior Barus, Half uh Shahin one seven seven, Bolby the Dawn, Himloban Himro, R Improv two two one, rape Magic Kids seven one four, Spanked too hard, Soft Taco, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria Wallace, Keith, uh, sorry Maria Keith Wallace, Fritz. Trade for Grady, We Need Dick, Currency Kev, and Bruv Sal. Those are our Hall of Fame and Elite tier patrons. We thank all of you and thank all of our patrons for supporting the six-man show. Beautiful job, as always, Kevin. Thank you.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Now, I want to get into Paolo Bancaro, the athletic, and Joe, I, I don't know how to say his last name, Varden or Vardon. He put out an article recently, Kevin, detailing Paolo and his choosing Team USA over Italy when it comes to the FIBA World Cup and really just inter- representing them from an international standpoint, period. But first, before we do that, before I get into the article and we talk about the meat and potatoes of it, you and I haven't really gotten to talk one-on-one and one-to-one about Paolo and where we wanted him to fall. Obviously, on the show, I have said I I really would have liked him representing Italy just because he could be the guy. I didn't get to hear your take, Kevin. Could you let me in? What, what was your take on Paolo and when
1: that all came out of choosing between the two? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to bring it up one way or another because you and Jonathan were both of the same mindset. You wanted the whole Italy thing, and I get it. Trust me, I get it. It's not like I like, that's so stupid. What are you thinking? Like I definitely get it, the idea of being the guy, not just from a basketball standpoint, which is really cool, Um, But also just, you know, uh, a PR standpoint, right? Like he can take an entire country by storm and they fall in love with Paolo and, and he represents them and all that kind of stuff. I get all of that. I really do. But for me, I was always very pro USA for Paolo for several reasons. Number one, I'm an American and I like to root for the United States men's basketball team and women's basketball team, any basketball team. And so naturally I want the best player for my favorite, you know, NBA team to be, you know, play for the United States so I can root for him, obviously. But that aside for me, I was really, really hoping that Paolo would choose the United States because we have heard and seen time and time again, how impactful being a part of team USA can be for some of the young up and coming stars of this league. If you go back to Dwight, um, you know, back when Dwight was rising in the league, um, it, Team USA was a little bit, I should say, it was a lot different back then. You know, that was when like these superstars were playing Team USA, LeBron, Kobe, Chris Paul, on and on and on. And so, Dwight, you know, I remember him talking about it, you know, right after being with Team USA for the first time and then years later about how impactful that was for him, you know, to get to, you know, this is before he played with Kobe on the Lakers, but his first interactions, you know, seeing Kobe in the day to day grind, you know, seeing what, He puts in to his workouts what he does mentally to prepare um and and the other part of this and this is still true today like the coaching staff that has always been around team usa and including right now is insane like obviously steve kerr is the head coach trying to think of the the staff i saw in the picture the other day um uh, eric spolstra was on it. grant hill um there's a couple other big names that are that's slipping my mind right now but the idea that Paolo Banquero is literally around, oh, Tyron Lee was on there. Paolo is literally around the best coaches in the league for weeks. He's around some of his fellow, like, peers in the talent and age level. You know, it's not, again, it's not like the super upper echelon of guys anymore. Like, LeBron's not in there, you know, guys like that, Steph. But it's still guys that are comparable to Paolo as far as like age range and talent range and all that kind of stuff. And so to go from being the guy in Orlando where all this pressure and all this weight is on your shoulders every single night to to be able to go to be a part of this team where you get to number one, be a sponge and just learn, learn from the guys around you, learn from the coaches and number two, get to just experience, you know, winning basketball with a great team. You get to lock in on one or two things and just be really, really good at those things in the context of the team i think there's just a lot of lessons that can be learned it's just a great experience and so when all of this came out you know weeks and weeks ago that he was going to choose team usa and then reading this article and stuff I've, i'm just really grateful i really think it's going to be better for him in the long run again i get the italy stuff i really do but that's that was kind of my thinking you know going into this decision i'm i'm really glad that he he chose the red white and blue
2: there are a lot of people who said why would he have ever chosen Italy? Like, why would he have ever done that? Being that until the summer, he had never stepped foot in Italy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, yes, I understand. But there was reason to believe that they were definitely on the table. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. He went on, I believe, RJ Hampton's podcast said the same thing, right? He was like, oh, I'm Team Italy. And then fast forward now, we're obviously to this point. But a huge part of that is because Italy helped him get citizenship. I believe he said in 2020, or yeah. at least that's what the article cited. So there was reason to believe for sure that Paolo was going to go there. It, we, it was actually a foregone conclusion. Like Paolo was publicly saying it. So this article does a really good job of detailing really what made him shift his perspective. And a big part of that he said was Grant Hill. Grant Hill, uh, They basically the account is that Grant and Hill and Mike Miller both local to Orlando, obviously, right now, ran into each other at a high school game, a local high school game, and talked. And Palo to USA, there was mutual interest between the two. Now, it doesn't do a great job of really diving in, but it does say like that's how the really the conversation started. Grant Hill, for those that don't know, he's the managing director over at Team USA, which is why he's got such a huge part in it, and why he was able to ultimately recruit Palo And Palo goes on to also detail that. His mom played for Team USA in the 90s. Obviously, if you know the Magic, you know Paolo. His mom played for the University of Washington as well in college ball. Goes on and plays for Team USA. So that really is like the bulk of it. And I think the, the biggest thing to me, or not biggest, but maybe overlooked, was that like Grant Hill admitted in the article that he was a little bit worried about the bias that would, it would be perceived because of the Duke ties. So that was interesting. And I, I do think about that. And that was something I was thinking as reading this. Obviously, we know that connection. But there's other guys in the league that could have gotten an invite to Team USA. And this is the Duke Brotherhood that everybody talks about. Where they're like, if they have two really promising young players to choose from and the guy recruiting is a Dukie, <laughs> and the player is a Dukie, and the other guy's not, that other guy's out of luck. It's facts. Palo makes a great case for himself, but rookie of the year, 20 points per game, best rookie season since LeBron James. There was a lot of things there that credited him, but we can't ignore that there is a connection that Grant Hill even put Palo in his mind. So interesting article. I think it was well written and gave a lot of insight and just quotes and and things like that that made it all interesting. Is there anything else from this article, Kevin, that you really took? Or is this
1: kind of, have I summed it up the best I could there? No, yeah, I, th- I think you definitely summed it up. I think just the idea of of Grant Hill, and, and obviously it's part of his role, you know, as you mentioned, but the idea of him going out and actively recruiting Paolo, I think is pretty strong. Like, again, it's his job, but the idea that he, I think he, he must have known that that door was still open, you know? Like, yeah, Paolo says Italy, you know? Paolo's got it the Italian flag in his bio. Yeah, he's talking about playing for Italy. But Grant Hill knew. Knew that door was a little bit open. And so I love the fact that he went for it and got it. And uh uh yeah, but yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And and um we've already talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, the Italian, you know, men's basketball federation's still very unhappy about this whole thing. And and to be fair, we don't know what happened behind closed doors, but there's they probably have a reason to be. You know, it sounds like Paolo was. Maybe giving them some assurances and then, you know, decided he wanted to, you know, stay home. But either way, um the drama hopefully will be long in the rearview mirror here sometime soon. Um, but yeah, definitely interesting saga for I, for old Paolo.
2: I think and it's super super funny to think about because if we were in Paolo's shoes, where would we lean initially, right? I, I think that there's like this allure about the international right and and countries that are not ours and so for him to feel like there is some semblance of italian heritage for him he he just didn't know and i think he thought it was cool and it was a trendy thing to do i'm gonna go play for them i'm sure he had the same lot of the same thoughts i'm gonna go be the guy i'm gonna be kind of immortalized in italian culture and and, in the country by the time this is over but now you get to shift to team USA where you're now playing the long game. And he talks about it in the article. They have a quote from him that essentially says, "I'm not the guy on this team." And I get that. And it gives me time and, and ability to show the things that I don't I didn't necessarily get to show too much of when I was in Orlando cuz I'm getting the ball all the time. And I love that he called himself the guy, by the way. Yeah. Cuz that's what it says in the quote. "I'm the guy." But now he's able to show like defensively what he's able to do off ball, more of what he's able to do. So it's just really cool. And like I said, you're playing the long game, right? You're not the guy right now. But in a couple Olympics or a couple FIBA World Cups, are you the guy? I hope so. And especially with the trajectory that we're on, which is where like the super superstars aren't playing. Palo's gonna eventually get to be the guy. You talk about Dwight and getting to see how guys' work ethics work ethic was. Palo now has guys like Anthony Edwards who could be the face of this team who also said he didn't really love basketball when he got drafted. Like these are just so two totally different ends of the stratosphere. But I love that Palo gets to really put his fingerprint on this team as a sophomore basically in the NBA coming out of the rookie of the year. And maybe a couple years from now, a few years from now, we're looking at Palo being the face of this team. But it's going to be interesting because this team can really grow if they all decide that they want to keep accepting invitations. Brandon Ingram might be phased out by then and be that superstar status that like doesn't want to do it. But I I would really love for it to be, you know, I I don't mind it like this because I like it when it's maybe not. I mean, it is a foregone conclusion that the USA's wins a gold. I I think it's a disappointment if you don't. But at the same time, it's not as obvious as it once was. So that's super interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Something really fun for us Magic fans is that Paolo isn't alone in this training camp, you know, as far as from the Magic standpoint. Paolo's got a friendly face there in camp. Uh, Obviously, we've already talked about Jamal Mosley, head coach of the U.S. Select team. um, Makes a lot of Magic fans a little warm and fuzzy the last 24, 48 hours getting to see these you know, images and videos of Paolo and Coach Mosley working together, you know, in practice and warmups and all that kind of stuff. Jamal Mosley, you know, guarding Paolo and all that kind of stuff. It's very fun. But uh, USA uh, Select team making some noise this weekend, <laughs> huh, Luke? <laughs> they, they
2: uh, I'm sure you guys know, much like me trying to run away from women's bat, uh, soccer, World Cup, soccer news in general, it doesn't matter how much you tried to avoid it. You heard about the select team beating team USA on day two of training camp. The story comes out, they beat them 47 to 39. And the more that these stories start to divulge, we find out that Cade Cunningham is really the reason Cade Cunningham just uh, doing his thing and asserting his dominance. And you saw, if you saw clips of it, he really was, like he in the pick and roll, his vision was incredible. Just everything that we heard about Cade Cunningham while he played, it's hard, it's really easy to lose sight of Cade Cunningham because he's not been able to stay on the floor. But when he's on the floor, he's awesome. And I hope he can stay healthy and continue to rehab because he's a lot of fun. But really, he was the story in this scrimmage. And I love that it's even a thing, right? I love that it's a, even if it's a flash in the pan story something that people could talk about for a few years at least. It's not the first time this has happened that a select team has beaten them, but uh, has beaten Team USA, but it is interesting. Is there anything that, and obviously in this I'll also note that in both, uh, both periods of the time of the scrimmage, Cam Johnson was the starter over Anthony Edwards. That sense has been cleared out and Team USA beat them handily, it sounds like most recently
1: yeah and that, that starting lineup was pretty much what most people the second starting lineup with Anthony Edwards I should say is pretty much pretty much what most people assumed that lineup would be like so to see cam Johnson starting that first day of those scrimmages was a little surprising um, but as far as like the whole select team like you said this has happened actually on multiple occasions you know um, in, in past you know camps and stuff but it's so interesting when you look at this Select team roster, we've already talked about it a little bit because uh, some people felt that Jalen Suggs was snubbed, you know, should have been on this team, but you mentioned Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran's on there, Langston Galloway, Jalen Green, Quentin Grimes, Chet Holmgren, John Jenkins, Herb Jones, uh, Eric Micah, Trey Murphy, Keegan Murray, Peyton Pritchard, Nas Reed, and Jalen Williams. And So when you look at that roster, some very strong young talent, obviously, you know, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran Jalen Green, Keegan Murray, Jalen Williams, Chet, all those guys. But when you compare them side-by-side side to the, you know, select roster, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very, very interesting that, um, that those guys were able to win. But it goes to show you, you know, every team's got some growing pains. You know, Team USA, they're still figuring some things out. And it makes me wonder, like, when we hear about these scrimmages, like, the actual Team USA, you know, the, the main team are they maybe not going a hundred percent in these scrimmages because they know they've got a long few weeks ahead, right? You know they don't want to risk injury, and and you know they're trying to conserve their energy because, like we said, we've got all these warm up games and then the World Cup and then go right into their regular season. But then on the flip side, you got the select team like this, these are their biggest games of the summer. Like this is it right. for them. Like this is the, yeah. the the peak, you know, of the competition for them. You know they get these couple of scrimmages against the big boys and. And at the same time, they're in front of all the USA basketball brass and and the big coaches we talked about and everything. So, part of me wonders if that's what it, if that at least contributes to it. You know, those guys are going really hard, and then Team USA on day two is like, okay, you know what? We'll play this way. You know, I think I think that might be something. I don't know.
2: You mentioned Kevin that this isn't the first time it's happened. Twenty twenty one is where I'll take you first. Tyrese Halliburton was on the select team, and. He leads the select team in 2021 to a victory in one of their scrimmages against Team USA that, mind you, went on to win the gold in Tokyo. Evidence number one that this doesn't really matter. Then I will teleport us back to 1992, Kevin. Before you were born, by the way. I'm transporting myself before birth. (laughs) Yep. For Team USA, the dream team, right? No one could touch them except a bunch of college athletes grant hill being one of them in 1992 who beats team usa the only team by the way to beat team usa that whole summer so that's just another example right i mean the, the usa has a ton of talent and back then it was grant hill and the college stars holding it down
1: Yeah, most consider that dream team to be the greatest team ever assembled in the history of team sports. And so for the select team to go out there and beat them, Mm -hmm. I don't care, especially when you think about those guys, like literally some of the most competitive people in the history of sports. Michael Jordan, obviously being the first name that comes to mind, like insanely competitive. You think he wanted some college scrubs beating him? I can promise (laughs) you not. So um,
2: effort was not an issue there. And if he didn't have effort, he might have put it in too late. Right, and Grant Hill had already been putting in that work. Yep, and you talk about guys that are just flying free and have nothing to lose. Can you imagine just a bunch of college players? I I guarantee you that almost every time they played the NBA team, the Team USA team, that they they would be able to either be close or win a game with the top college stars because those guys are locked in. That's their big thing. And like you said as well, right? You're in front of the brass of Team USA. Now, at this point, you're in front of guys like Grant Hill and all other parts that do the recruiting, and you want to keep this relationship going. You don't want to go out here and drop a dud, again, as a select team member, because you want to be sure that you get looked at down the road. So that was exciting, Kevin. Um, Just stories, right? And I hope that we hear more like it. They're always good to hear.
1: Yeah, and I'll just say one more thing. Going back to the whole Jalen Suggs thing you know, with the select team, Part of it, I think, you know, you, you and Jonathan already talked about this, wanting him to be on the select team. Part of it is because the select team naturally becomes a pipeline for, you know, the the main men's national team. Like even just from this current roster, I was just looking some of the guys that were previously on the select team. You already mentioned, uh who did you mention? Oh, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, you mentioned Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Mikel Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Brandon Ingram, and Jaron Jackson Jr. all were part of select teams in the past, and now all of them will have very key roles, you know, this summer for the men's national team. And so, um, yeah, I wish Jalen could have been a part of that, not just for the current experience, but the potential experience down the road. But look, Jalen, if he you know can put it together on the court in the NBA, he'll he'll get a call up to the men's national team for sure.
2: So. Just so everybody knows, you mentioned the starting lineup earlier. The starters, that seems, is going to be Jalen Brunson, Bridges, Brandon Ingram, Anthony Edwards, and Jaron Jackson Jr. They, we will get to see them in action as you guys are listening to this. Tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern on FS1, those guys, Paolo Banquero, are going to take on Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. They've played ten in their last ten games. Team USA has won nine out of ten. There is one familiar face for at least the Magic organization. Yep, Aleem Ford, who is of the Osceola Magic, playing for Puerto Rico. So I'm sure that is an incredible opportunity for him. But I think we all expect Team USA to run away for this with this one.
1: Yeah, I, I just gotta say another thing about Team USA right here. How clean does Paolo look in those threads, dude? I mean, it, come on!
2: And I love the blue,
1: the blue jerseys. Those are the yeah, ones I like most. That's what I'm talking about. Like those, they started putting up some promotional shots. USA Basketball and the Magic, and I'm like, oh man, that dude. I know we talk about you know his nationality and citizenship and mm-hmm. which national team he would play for, but man, that looks good on Paolo. I'm just saying, it does, it you know? does,
2: and. I I wanted to ask you, Kevin, as well. You were when you were kind of talking about why you want a palo to play for Team USA. You mentioned, you know, number one, you're American. You always root for Team USA. Yeah. Do you think because in our lifetime, in general, Team USA hasn't had much competition, and so that's why for me, I'm just not a huge like, I'm not I'm I'm not all in on national basketball and international basketball because of that because we're supposed to win and there's not much to it it's like if you were an alabama crimson tide fan i don't i get it right like they're incredible i don't know how they do it all the time because it would be like if we don't win the championship the season sucks
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's win or bust and that's what it feels like with team usa and basketball but does your love for soccer or football does does your love for that tie into your love for team usa do you think that's why you care about team usa in all aspects because internationally team usa isn't the top dog they're not expected to to win everything they do but you care about that and you cheer for that and i I think as a soccer fan that's something that you would agree with
1: yeah i I don't think they're related for me for me it's just you know first off i'm just a sports nerd to begin with like i'll watch anything and so um I definitely get pumped for any kind of basketball, but yeah, I mean, I've always been kind of attached to, you know, USA basketball in general. Like uh, I, I used to have all these, you know, Michael Jordan VHS is, you know, one of them was a pretty prominent, had a pretty prominent feature with the dream team. So that's kind of where I fell in love with like the idea of USA basketball. And even though that team won every game by an average of like 39 points or whatever it was, I don't remember. Um, I still, you know, thoroughly enjoyed learning about that team, watching some of their game film, and I've always just kind of been interested, so I don't think it's necessarily related to soccer, but it is definitely very interesting. Now, the world has caught up, like, you know, comparatively speaking to what it was 20, 30 years ago. You got Greece with Giannis, get got Serbia with uh, Jokic, and on and on you go, Canada has gotten better, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so it's definitely not necessarily a total shoe in not a walk in the park, but if if our best guys are on the team, and those guys play their best, yes, the United States should still win doesn't always happen, especially because in you know international basketball, the rules are different and and it's officiated differently and it's more geared towards a team oriented style of play, right if you've got a team that's very focused on um, i don't know one player and that player being you know very selfish and ISOs all the so, time and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It it does it doesn't work as well in international basketball. And so, you get the best players together, get them playing together. Yes, the United States should win, but that's also part of the fun for me. I enjoy winning every game. That's fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's less dramatic, but hey, you're the winner. That's that's what sports are all about, you know. So yeah, I, be interesting. I
2: always I always come across on Facebook. One time, I posted a picture of Team USA. In a game that they played and they won by like fifty-five or sixty points in international play, right? And I, I think it was the Olympics. But I don't remember who the team was, but it's like those, those are the those are the memories of Team USA right there. Just them stomping everybody out that they play. Now, moving forward, Kevin, Germany will play against Canada on Wednesday, August 9th at 130 PM Eastern. Germany will also play against China Saturday, August 12th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And this is when the... I almost said the Orlando Magic. Team USA is back in action on Saturday as well against Slovenia at 3.30 Eastern. And then they play again Sunday, a little back-to-back action. They play... And both these games are in Spain, by the way, but they play against Spain to round that out on Sunday at 3.30 as well. So got a lot of basketball coming our way, specifically this weekend. There's yeah. a lot of it. I, I don't know where it's going to be televised necessarily. Obviously, we know the Puerto Rico game against USA is FS1. We'll have more details, I'm sure, on Thursday's show. But that's that's what we're
1: looking at. Yeah, it's always so interesting when you get into stuff like this. Like the number of warm-up games just like blows my mind. Like they're mm-hmm. playing one, two, United States, one, two, two, three, four, five. Five warm-up games, you know. And, and the, the intensity next... as well. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Yeah, in the next 13 days, they're going to play five of those. And one of them is going to be in Vegas. Two of them are going to be in Spain. Two of them are going to be in Abu Dhabi. And they go to the Philippines. Like, that's that's a pretty grueling schedule. Like, even if you're not playing sports, you know, you're going from Vegas to Spain to Abu Dhabi in less than two weeks. You know, that's a lot. Uh, and sorry, and to the Philippines, I should say. That's a lot. Um, so, it's interesting. And then, of course, they'll play this tournament, which is supposed to end, I think, it's... the the second beginning of the second week of September or something like that. And then you turn right around and get two weeks off and do training camp and all that kind of stuff. So it's an, it's an intense ride um, for these guys. But again, hopefully it's it's a really good experience for all of them and especially, especially for Paolo.
2: And what I do wish last point here before we let you guys go is that I wish that Victor Wambanyama it made sense for him and he had enough margin to play mm. for his country and this uh in this fever world cup obviously he's taking it off but just you talk about right like the growing strength and power of of all these teams and that is uh definitely one of them that will contribute greatly
1: yeah luke before we go i want to mm-hmm. call a little bit of an audible this is not something mm-hmm. you and i talked about while i'm setting this up can you go ahead and pull up a list of all 30 nba teams you know whether it's standings or whatever go ahead and pull up a list so you have it right in front of you of all 30 nba teams i'm calling an audible here Okay. Because we are last year, the NBA schedule came out on August 17th. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: It's August 7th. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's come out, I think it was two or three years ago, it came out like August 12th or something like that. So, like, we're really close. Like, we are in schedule territory. And if you've been around this show for the last couple of years, you know how passionate I am about the NBA schedule release. And so, you know, these next couple episodes, I might might try and inject a little bit of schedule talk coming in there, you know, to get everyone primed and ready for the schedule, because I have not been this excited for a schedule release in a long time. I'm really excited. So with zero time to prep, I put you on the spot right here. Looking at all 30 NBA teams, give me like two or three that you're interested, like the most interested to see the Magic play this year. Like when the schedule comes out, you're going to be looking at this game. Maybe it's A certain game on the road or whatever like what are some of the games some of the matchups that, like you're gonna circle hopefully if it comes out in the next couple weeks you know what games are you gonna circle when that
3: schedule comes out
2: number one is the miami heat right Mm -hmm. that's got to be in there because i need the world to know the frauds that they are getting to the nba finals come on I, i i think it's time that uh the magic are able to get over the Miami Heat, get over that that speed bump, which feels a lot bigger than a speed bump, mm-hmm. but we need to get over it. Yeah. I I really want to go wherever it is. Amway, we go down south, and we beat them. Uh, Miami Heat is one that you always have to schedule, right? I know that's what our good buddy Jonathan's going to be looking at for sure. Yeah. But then I also want to see how they do against the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. You dominated that series, that season series last, last season. And now you're on the radar for a lot of these teams. I am very interested to see if Boston is going to buckle down and give Orlando their best shot. Yeah. Because I, I can't help but think that they definitely will. I, there's not going to be anybody to rest in that night. The, the Magic think that they own you. Eddie house put you in a really bad spot last year and lit a fire under this team so much so that we're tweeting gifts of this dude after beating him again, again, the I players just don't,
1: by the way, tweeting out gifts, he might suit best. up. Yeah.
2: Eddie house <laughs> might suit up for the game. He's so mad about last year. So I, I, I think those are the two that right off the bat, I can tell you the heat and the Celtics. Those are the ones I'm super interested in. What about you?
1: Yeah, I both of those at or near the top of my list. I want, I'd throw out a little bit of a wild card, maybe one that's a little bit under the radar. You know, last season, there was a matchup that we did not get to see. We did not get to see Paolo versus Chet because of Chet's injury. So I am looking at OKC. I want to see those games. I'm very curious where they are. You know, last season that was originally the only scheduled national TV game for the Magic it was supposed to be on TNT. I'm interested to see if if the league does that again, puts them back on national TV. We'll see. You know, OKC was good last year, so I think it's possible. Um outside of that, I'm trying to think a little bit outside the box like any of those other young teams that are kind of in our same timeline, like Houston, Detroit. Those ones will be interesting for me. I want to see Detroit, especially, you know, with Cade, you know, back this season. Um, so those will be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the other ones that you suggest as well, Miami, Boston, those are pretty good ones. And then maybe maybe more importantly than all of them is the in-season tournament schedule. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I'm definitely excited. Obviously, they've already come out with our opponents, home and away. But as far as the order and the dates of those, that, you know, we'll we'll find out here in a couple weeks, hopefully. There's there's another one, Kevin,
2: that I think puts you on national TV watch. And I think it's gonna happen. And I think it happens if Palo versus Chet doesn't. It's Paolo versus Victor Webanyama. It's the it's last year's number one overall pick rookie of the year against this year's foregone conclusion rookie of the year and Victor Webinama. That matchup, I wonder if they try to schedule that game early, early in the season before, you know, you know, if whatever injuries, anything like that, anything weird happens. You hope you can get ahead of that and you can do that at the beginning of the season. So I think that's it. And also just in general, right? I think before I'm looking at any matchups, I'm going down the column that has the national TV for sure. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm not even looking at the teams first. I'm just going straight down. How many we got? Yeah, and I'm not looking at NBA TV either, guys. Yeah. So I, I want ESPN, TNT, whatever you can
1: get me. I I feel like I feel like we're finally going to get a real one this year. I feel like it's it's going to happen. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I thought it was going to happen last year and it didn't. Um, so yeah, thank you, Luke, for indulging me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as we go along, they're going to eventually announce when the schedule will be released, and we'll do a proper, full on schedule preview segment of an episode you know where we'll go through kind of like what we did here but a little in a little more detail and we'll get jonathan's opinions on it the things to look for in the schedule and then like i said hopefully the next couple weeks we'll have a schedule and then we'll get to just get to marinate in that schedule for weeks and weeks and going to months and months and then next thing you know it'll be time for the season
2: well kevin i appreciated that i really do because it gets me excited about the season right as much as i like the international play because of what it means and how many magic players are involved. There's nothing like talking about directly the Orlando magic and things like schedule release and potential matchups and what we're excited about, what gets the juices flowing. Cause that always does it for me more so than anything else on this podcast is talking directly about magic basketball. So I do appreciate that. Is there anything else that you have for us, Kev before we let our listeners go?
1: I think that's it. Go USA, go Germany. Germany. Go Georgia. Oh, we forgot to mention Georgia lost again, but Goga didn't play. Uh, Yeah, go USA, go Germany, go Georgia. Did I miss anybody? Oh, Australia. Joe Ingles, of course. Go Australia. So, yeah, yeah, those are our teams for the next three weeks.
2: All right, guys. For Producer Kevin, I'm Luke Sylvia. We'll catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone.
1: If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Right.